it's just like I always wonder who Lillian would have been. I at the same time wonder who would Gilbert be if he didn't have these medical complexities. Hi, you're listening to The Rare Life. I'm your host, Madeline Cheney. Today, I have Anna's special topic episode all about grief. I would like to wish everyone who celebrates Christmas a Merry Christmas Eve. When I told Anna that her episodes would release during Christmas time, she thought that was really cool because the holidays could be really triggering for people who have lost those that they love. I hope that you are getting through the holidays all right. If you feel like you need a little extra help emotionally through this time, I invite you to check out our sponsor, BetterHelp, a service providing licensed counseling virtually. I'll put a link in the show notes for that. It is time to collect season takeaways. Last time I collected written out takeaways, but this time you get to record short audio clips to be submitted. And I think that'll be really cool to hear your voices. So it's super easy. There's a link in the show notes to take you to a website where you just hit record and you record yourself and you can keep redoing it until you have one you like and you can submit it. And I will select a few of those and we'll play it in season two's finale episode and I'll respond to it. In that, you can share any takeaway from season two, like a favorite episode or something you've gotten out of it. Please submit these by January 7th. So in this episode, Anna shares in raw detail about the tragedy of her daughter's death at 35 weeks gestation and how that has affected her grief with her son, who is medically complex. So this is a definite trigger warning for those who have also experienced child death. And I would also like to tell you about a really cool podcast called Still a Part of Us. This is a podcast done by my good friends, Winter and Lee Red. Uh, They lost their son, Brennan, at 38 weeks gestation. And their podcast is dedicated to sharing the stories of children who have died either in stillbirth or in the first year of life. When Kimball was about a year old, I was listening to her podcast and It was really interesting to me because hearing these parents' stories was really hard because they're all very sad and tragic, but it also, there were a few of their experiences that were similar to mine with Kimball, and I felt like, oh, they get it, and I was like, man, we need one of these about special needs parenting and medically complex parenting, and I want to hear other people's stories that I can really, really relate with, and I was like, what if I made a podcast? And then that was such a scary idea, and I brushed it out of my head. And so they are very much my inspiration for this show. And they even gave me a lot of great advice and a lot of mentorship for this podcast. So huge shout out to them. Uh, If you are interested in learning more about infant loss and stillbirth, either because you're curious about it or because you have experienced it yourself, head over to their podcast and check that out. I'll put a link in the show notes for that. So as I mentioned in this episode, Anna shares more about Lillian and her story and how her grief for Lillian and her medically complex son, Gilbert, who she talked about last episode, play off of each other and intensify each other. The last half of the episode, she shares advice for others, and this is packed with gold about destigmatizing grief and child death. All right, let's jump in. Hi, Anna. Welcome back to your special topic episode. 
Hello, I'm super excited to be here to talk about our special topic. Awesome. So let's talk about compound grief. Yes, and definitely. Reducing the stigma of grief and loss. Mm-hmm. So in your story episode, we talked mm-hmm. briefly about Lillian, Gilbert's older mm-hmm. sister, who passed away. And so let's go back because that's really where our grief journey starts, right, is with Lillian. So do you mind yeah. sharing about her and who she is and your experience with her? Yeah, definitely. So Lillian is our second born child, um, but she was stillborn at 35 weeks and one day um, gestational age. Um, I had gone to the hospital for decreased fetal movements, just like with Gilbert. But by the time I got there, she had already passed away. So they induced my labor. um, And she was born on July 16th, 2016 at 7.52 in the morning. I will never forget that last push I gave to give birth to her and the way the sunlight looked through the trees out the window of my hospital room. Uh, She is just absolutely beautiful and everything. She looked exactly the way I imagined she would look the whole time I was pregnant with her, which was just really kind of crazy to see that physically. We were never given a definitive cause of death for Lillian. The first thing they said was this was probably a concealed placental abruption. Um, And then after they'd kind of done some investigating following her birth, they said, oh, I think it was a cord accident. But even meeting with other specialists for second opinions in the months and years that followed her death, we've also heard, you know, you possibly have a clotting disorder that just hasn't been discovered yet. So no one really knows why she died. And then when Gilbert was born and we found out about his brain bleeds, it kind of piqued our curiosity. You know, did Lillian have brain bleeds too? And only recently in the last four or five months, did we learn that my grandmother's daughter passed away at one month old from hydrocephalus that was caused by brain bleeds. Wow. So we're currently working with a geneticist just to see if there's any, anything out there that, that could have caused multiple generations of death and perhaps both with Gilbert's brain bleeds and and Lillian's death. Wow. So are you looking for like a genetic indicator of yeah. that or okay? Yeah, so basically they've ruled out everything except for one gene in Gilbert that they're currently looking into because only Mark and me and Gilbert have been genetically tested and out of the three of us, Gilbert is the only one with this gene. Uh, mm. So our next step is having Jack tested. He has graciously agreed to have a blood test done to help his brother and sister um, to see if he has this gene as well. So what would that mean if he did have the gene? Um, So the gene is known for causing stillbirth and fetal growth restriction, which Lillian had. Um, And 
brain issues as well. Okay. So could he potentially have a child with that if he had the gene? Possibly, yes. But it's it's such a rare gene that they've only found one other documented case of it in literature. Wow. And it was of a baby who had died also. Wow. Mm-hmm. Wow. What, what was that like to lose Lillian? It was and is, I would say, the hardest thing that I've ever done. You know, it just, it completely changed my whole view of the world. And that has continued to change over the last four years. You know, I think a lot of us live our lives with a lot of preconceived notions about grief and that grief is something, you know, it's the five stages of grief. It has a timeline. Once you've worked through all of those, you are essentially healed. But we've learned the very hard way that that is not the case and that grief is a reflection of love. So as long as you love someone, that's that's how long you're going to grieve them and miss them too. And I think kind of adds to that is that she is our daughter and we had all of these hopes and dreams for our life that will never be fulfilled you know we'll never have those those memories and moments with her Um, so it's it's really an everyday battle and I mean I can't say that it's gotten easier with time I think I've more just learned how to carry it and kind of roll with the waves it brings and anticipate what's going to trigger moments of, of deeper grief and when I can just kind of let it out. Wow. Um, so here's the big question. Mm-hmm. How does that that huge amount of grief and that huge change of your whole world how how did Gilbert's arrival and the way he arrived affect your grief and play off of each other? Yeah, it it changed my grief a lot. You know, my initial grief with Lillian was, I guess I would say it was characterized by me searching for the silver lining in everything. You know, mm. I I was the person who believed there has to be some sort of beauty to come from this pain just trying to seek out whatever whatever happiness that that there was left and then Gilbert was born and all of that for lack of a better word just kind of disappeared I I was like you know I I can't look for the beauty in everything I think all of us who have been through certain traumas, um, especially the death of a child, want to believe that, you know, that's okay, we, we've paid our dues. So nothing similar will ever happen again. Even though kind of the, the rational side of us was that the, the two separate traumas have no bearing on each other. Um, mm-hmm. As much as I wish it had happened, I was not given a free pass for future trauma and grief when Lillian died and that was I would say the biggest like moment of reality when Gilbert was born 
was just realizing that, oh yeah, we actually, we're not uh, excluded from having bad stuff continue to happen to us. Yeah. Yeah, that totally makes sense. You're like, there's just no way, like nothing, nothing <laughs> bad could happen again because you've had such a terrible thing happen and to have mm-hmm. it happen again in a different way. Do you feel like you have, um, so as a preface, I guess with Kimball, I feel like a hundred percent, lots of grief over his different diagnoses and the life yeah. we thought he would have. Do you feel like you have grieved Gilbert's life? Absolutely. Yeah. How did the different griefs compare to each other? So I think that, you know, I had my Lillian grief and then Gilbert was born, which with all of his medical complexities and special needs really compounded that. We had already been robbed of all all those moments and milestones with Lillian and now we're missing them again with Gilbert. Mm -hmm. So sometimes I describe it as kind of like grief squared um because just like I always wonder who Lillian would have been I at the same time wonder who would Gilbert be if he had an intact brain if he wasn't born prematurely if he didn't have these medical complexities that wondering aspect is really fluid through through both of them but then where it's different you know he's alive and she's not um, I would say I also feel an immense amount of grief over the promise of life that kind of existed during his pregnancy, but then that all came crashing down with his birth. Yeah. So I think one of the biggest things that I've learned about grief is just that you can feel everything all at once it's it's not an either or so there is grief and gratitude but you don't have to force yourself to search for one over the other they both hold equal weight and value in life I really love that it really resonates with me I guess like that's one thing too that I like worked on with my therapist where she was like yeah (laughs) therapy she was like you know, you can have these even like almost opposite emotions at the same time. That's okay. You can just let it sit. And I was like, whoa, like that permission to just be able to feel both of them is really great. It's a very surreal feeling to be like, wait, what? I grew up being told that these are opposites and they can't exist in the same space, but then you do have them at the same time. And, you know, they're not necessarily fighting with each other they're just kind of both there and it's a whole lot to take in yeah yeah I think those emotions too like of the grief and the gratitude and maybe like the Mm -hmm. love and the pain they're very contrasting emotions like you know one is very positive Mm -hmm. and one is very negative but uh, I feel like they add such a depth like they're just such a complex emotion and obviously it'd be like you know, you take the positive emotions any day. Like, you know, mm-hmm. it's not like you're like, I want to hurt. Yeah. But I think it really deepens. I don't know. I feel like grief deepens your love for someone. I've experienced that oh, with like I, losing my dad. And I'm like, I feel like I love him more now. 
Yes, I would absolutely agree with that. Mm -hmm. How have you seen that manifest in, in your relationships? I mean, for sure with Lillian, it's like, oh my gosh, like my love for her can cross that boundary between life and death. And that's just, you know, really powerful to know that. And then with Gilbert, it's like, yeah, I'm grieving the life he could have had. And at the same time, my love for him is huge that I would do anything for him. I mean, what I have talked about with a few other special needs and medically complex parents is that we wish we could trade places with our kids, you know, because we've, we've already lived a portion of our lives, you know, for sure, a portion that, that they might not mm-hmm. be able to live. And I think just seeing and experiencing that love is really amazing. Yeah. How do you feel like that love has changed how you live your life? I take almost nothing for granted anymore. I feel like, you know, the the shouting and running brothers in my house are like music because of all the months that the house felt empty after Lillian died and then also how it was empty after Gilbert was born and spent all his months in the hospital. Mm. Um, it just has really opened my eyes to a lot of things that I didn't realize were there before. And I appreciate them on a much deeper level. Um, Like just the other night, Lawrence was being the firecracker wild man that he is and not wanting to put his pajamas on at bedtime and running all over his room and jumping on his bed. And I just, I just sat there watching him because I was like, oh my gosh, we, we never got this with Lillian and there's no promise that we'll get it with Gilbert either. Like these moments that would have frustrated me a few years ago are now some of the most precious things in my life. That's beautiful. I love that. Mm-hmm. Wow. Uh, so Anna, for people that are experiencing grief, you know, in any form, and especially in the form of losing a child or mm-hmm. losing the the dream of what a child may be and have, and what advice do you have for us? I, you know, kind of think about that as what do I wish I could tell myself when I was first inundated into the life of grief? And mm. I would say, don't force yourself to find the happiness and the silver linings. It's okay to kind of own the fact that a lot of aspects of this just really suck and are really, really hard. And I think giving them, giving them their place in life is, is so important. When Lillian died, you know, I, I spent years trying to force myself to find happiness and gratitude in every little thing and kind of ignored or pushed aside some of the harder harder emotions that are typically and societally viewed as negative and it really wasn't until Gilly was born and that moment when I 
finally owned and embraced the grief and sadness that his life has brought and that Lillian's loss of life has brought that I found anything resembling happiness these days. You know, I, in order to find true happiness, it's almost like you have to allow that negativity into and, and let it do its thing. Yes. I read in a book, The Gifts of Imperfection. I forgot who it's by. But she was saying when you numb the the pain, you also numb the joy. Like you you can't fully feel the joy if you're not fully feeling the pain. And that really stuck with me. Yes. That's so powerful. And that's that's the perfect way of articulating it. And I, I think I definitely numbed myself for a really long time. But then I had my gilly wake-up call that changed everything. <laughs> yeah, that was so interesting. So he helped you fully grieve Lillian. He or at did. Least feel um, the grief. Yeah, he he brought it all back to the surface and still does some days. Hmm. And I I didn't fight it this time around. Yeah. And so you said you find greater joy now because of that yeah yeah I mean you know I, I still hesitate to use the word happy um just because I you know can I truly be happy without one of my children here with me um but this mm. this space that I'm in now is the closest to the happiness that I felt before she died um, or the happiness that I felt before Gilly's injury yeah that totally makes sense what else would you tell your your younger self? That you will be able to do this. You will have hard days and the hard days will never go away. But you can do them and you you deserve finding the full magnitude of your love for your kids and that's what each hard day brings to the surface is just again that love that's in everything because I I truly think that grief is another manifestation of that yes oh yes amen Mm -hmm. yes grief is love yes totally it's like equals like that is just it's yes well have you heard that there's like that saying where like grief is just when love has nowhere to go yeah, yeah, that's that's one that I, I think about a lot. And then mm. the other one um, that really always hits me is something my grandmother used to say. Um, and, you know, she never said that directly for me. It was just just stories from other family members that this was like her, her coin phrase was that it would be a shame if things didn't hurt so bad because that would mean you didn't have such a loving heart. Hmm. I really like that. Do you have any other advice for your younger self slash other people going through this? Slash other people going through it. Um, take in the little moments, especially with these medically complex and special needs kiddos. Just all those little bits of happiness that would probably seem like nothing to anyone else are so, so important. And take the pictures too. I, I have hardly any pictures of Lillian 
so my big thing when Gilly was born was take all the pictures, but even now I still feel like I don't have enough pictures of his time in the NICU. So mm. yeah, that's, that's my big advice is no matter what, take the pictures to remember what life was like in those harder times and to help honor that. Yeah. Yeah. I think sometimes when they're happy and you're happy, you're like, oh, let me take pictures. I want to remember this. Yeah. I think there's this so tendency to, to like not want to, I don't want to remember this, mm-hmm. but I do think it's a very valid point that you need to remember all of it. Yeah. Yeah. I do wish, yeah, it sounds weird, but I wish I had more pictures of his bad days just to kind of see the evolution that's taken place and remind yes. myself of the progress that he is making, even if it's not reflected on developmental questionnaires and things like that. Yes. Yes. Just his overall well-being, improving. Mm-hmm. I yeah. really like that. So you are really active on Instagram. You're a very good writer. I love reading the way you are able to express your pain, really. I mean, like your pain and your joy and these really complex emotions. Is that something you have found therapeutic and helpful? Yes. Writing has always been that outlet for me but you know so so has artistic things too I kind of joke with my mom that yeah I probably should have gone to art school because then I would have a career now that I could do from home with Gilly but yeah that would, that would probably be a full conversation for another time um yeah. <laughs> I, I think it's so important for everyone to find that outlet and what works for them because it might not be writing Right. for everyone. I, I think there is, there is that thing that, that each individual has though. And it's, it's so important to find that and to utilize it. Yeah. You know, and, and there's a, a bunch of stuff I have written that's not posted on Instagram either, just because I recently have kind of felt the need to protect Gilly's autonomy a bit more. Mm. But that is, that is my catharsis in a lot of ways. Yeah. Yeah. I love that. Like finding your own, your personal mm-hmm. way to, to like express yourself or I mean, I guess it doesn't even have to be expressive, any kind of therapeutic activity yeah. or passion. Yeah. And then it does give you stuff to, to look back onto similarly to the pictures, just to remember that was my headspace at that time. Like those are the things that were going on. Yeah. 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 Totally. Yes. And another thing that both Mark and I have found to be really helpful for us is we actually started a research fund in Lillian's name at Mayo Clinic here in Rochester, Minnesota. We started it with our own money that we had been saving up. And then over the years, it has kind of blossomed into this annual fundraiser that we do each year for her birthday. That's kind of the, the main time of year that we would raise and donate money to this mm-hmm. fund. But what the fund is in place for is just to provide research in an area that's typically really under-researched. We have the opportunity to meet with some of the doctors conducting the research a few years ago and they were 
studying out preeclampsia mm. and some different proteins that could be used to treat it. So that's, I guess, one of the tangible ways that the money is being used wow. right now. But her fund is available to donate to year-round if anyone is interested in that. It's as simple as calling the Mayo Clinic benefactor line. I can get you that yeah, we'll put that number in the show notes. Uh, later yeah. on if you yeah. want. Mm -hmm. um, and then asking to donate to the Lillian Ruth Stanfield Stillbirth Research Fund. And they should be able to look it up and have the money go directly to to her legacy. Awesome. I love that. That is so neat. I love the action that you can put into it. And it's another way to show love for her and for other other parents. You know, if we can prevent this tragedy from happening to one other family, then that's, that's yeah. huge for us. So nobody should have to do yes. this. So life-changing. That's amazing. Yeah, I'll put a link to that in the mm -hmm. show notes for any and all who are interested okay, in donating perfect. to that cause. What is your advice for people who have a loved one that's going through either either kind of grief or just grief in general? When someone is grieving, I feel like it's hard to know what to say or what to do. You know, similarly to my advice for the people going through it, advice for, for support people or witnesses, bystanders, whatever you want to call, call people observing grief would just be to hold space for the griever or the bereaved. Like I said, those those feelings that have that negative connotation associated with them are are not truly negative and they don't make a person negative. They are just super important and deserve to be honored. So don't don't brush away a person's sadness with platitudes that can be dismissive. We have experienced that a lot over the years, and it's one of the most isolating things. You know, if, if I say I'm sad and someone says, oh, don't, don't be sad that your daughter is dead, or don't be sad that Gilly's life is the way it is, at least you have, have the big boys focus on, on that and be happy. It's, it's you know, it, it kind of gives gives that sense that, oh, I'm grieving in the wrong way or something is, is wrong with me being sad, which is just really polarizing mm -hmm. and isolating. I would say it's also important for people to realize that the state of being healed will probably never be reached. And that's okay. I think that healing can take place, but I'm always going to miss Lillian. I'm always going to miss the life Gilly could have had. Mm -hmm. And that's okay for me to feel that way. That's normal for yeah. me to feel that way. Um, yeah. the, the griever is in all likelihood going to be changed forever by whatever is causing their grief, whether it be death or special needs and medical complexity or any number of other things mm -hmm. um, there is going to be some aspect of change and that's you know I would say our whole lives are are built around change yeah the most important thing is for people to show up for people who are grieving and 
to listen to them. That's the greatest gift someone could give me would be to listen and say, yeah, I would probably be feeling that way too. Yeah. Really validating your feelings. And Mm -hmm. I, I think like when you, you mentioned saying like, oh, but you need to, you know, be grateful for these, these blessings are like, why are you sad? Get over it. And you mentioned that it's isolating. I think that one thing for me, like, you know, that's isolating because it's like, well, you obviously have no idea how I feel if you can dismiss it that easily. You obviously have no clue (laughs) or you would not be saying that. Exactly. You know, it's, it's not empathy. Mm. And I think that's what a lot of people need and deserve. We, We all deserve true empathy. Yes. And that reminds me of a, an Instagram post that you made mm-hmm. about people saying, I can't imagine that. Yeah. I, I can't imagine what you're yeah. going through. Um, and, you know, some, some people feel validated when they are met with mm-hmm. that. I personally do not, because to me, it communicates that my life is literally so horrific that it's beyond the realm of another person's imagination, Yeah, which is again, isolating. Yeah. Yeah. I thought that was so interesting, like reading your thoughts on that. And I'm like, Mm -hmm. oh my gosh, I've said that. And I think that like, oh, (laughs) I think it's like this, like feeling I'm I'm guilty too. (laughs) I think it's like, you're like, oh, I don't want to like, I think for some reason it's almost like you feel almost insulting when you say, I get how you feel because you're like, well, my, but my thing's not as hard as hers or as his. Um, and like you, you might insult them, but really you're, you're, you're saying like, I'm here, like I've been through something similar and mm-hmm. I can imagine how you feel. Yeah. Cause I've had that experience with a friend who lost a child. He was still born. Mm-hmm. We know, we knew that was a really real possibility with Kimball. And so like I had, I had imagined, like I had totally lived yeah. through that, you know, just in my head of like, oh my gosh, what if this happens? And so I felt like I was in this unique situation where I was like, I have not been through what you have been through, but I have imagined it. And I feel like I've yep. kind of peered down the alleyway that is losing a child. And I've looked down there and like, oh my gosh, I don't want to go there. I might be there. And and that's just a whole different situation than someone who's never even had that as a possibility. And I, I felt almost mm-hmm. guilty for saying like, oh, I can imagine how you feel because I've thought about it. But I think it can be very, um, it's very empathetic. And, you know, you know, yeah. someone that, that is really willing to walk in your shoes and imagine what it is like, even if it's very painful. For sure. Yeah. I think the one that, you know, when people say, I can't imagine, I always try and gently suggest instead of that saying, I can only imagine because yes. that gives the empathy of like, yes, I am capable of imagining your life. Yet I still recognize that it's not exactly the same as living it every day I love that I can only imagine yes yes I love that Mm -hmm. and so you can show empathy but also give the space of like but I'm not saying that this thing is on the same level yeah yeah not flipping the conversation to to be about yourself yes yes I really Mm -hmm. like that so we have talked about the love that creates grief. And I would love to end mm-hmm. with just your your love, not only for Lillian and Gilbert, but also your 
your family and the fulfillment that you have found from your love? It probably sounds a little bit cliche, but I feel it the deepest in those small, quiet moments at home. Just today, I let Jack give Gilly one of his meds through the G-tube and see the love reflected on his face as he did that act of care for his little brother was really humbling. Lawrence is obsessed with blankets and all things snuggly and believes that Gilly needs that in his life too, (laughs) which I I think we all need someone to kind of come tuck us in and surround us with pillows. Um, But again, just, just watching, you know, that those little acts of love lived out by our boys is, is something really special and for all the times that I feel like I've failed as their parent in so many ways they you know it's it's that love that we all have for each other that really builds me back up and it's you know their love for Lillian too Jack is always talking about her and has his heart set on building a bee garden for her in our backyard because bees are the the symbol we associate with her but really that that love is everywhere and the the grief is everywhere too but it's the love that really holds us all together yeah it's beautiful thank you so much for sharing the pain and the love that is grief and how that's affected you Grief is kind of my passion project, so I'm always happy to share about it. Check out the show notes for links to submit season two's takeaway for a link to Anna's Instagram account if you're interested in following that and the book, The Gift of Imperfections that I mentioned in the episode. You can also find a link to the Mayo Clinic's website to donate to Lillian's Research Fund. When you get to the website, you will need to select from a drop-down menu where you want your donation to go. Select other, and then there will be another field that pops up. Fill that in with Lillian Ruth Stanfield Stillbirth Research Fund. I'll have those directions in the show notes with that link. To date, Anna and her husband have raised over $20,000 through various fundraisers. So join that cause. Don't miss next week's episode to hear from Melissa Monty, host of the ultra popular podcast, Mind Love, as we chat about utilizing mindfulness to find peace during really challenging times. See you then.